0: Everybody, welcome to Shop Talk Show. God, we're into we're into the new season now. Episode two hundred is blast past us. We're into episode two hundred and one. I can't wait. It's just a lovely January here uh, on the internet, I guess, because it doesn't even matter where we're recording this. So I think Dave's in Arizona somewhere. I don't even know. City of the Sun. That's right, but you know, but thanks to the internet, it can bring people together from everywhere. We have two lovely sponsors for you this week. One is CodePen, and the other is CodePen. Ha! I bought both spots because I wanted to tell you about CodePen stuff. Uh, for one thing, if you're following along with us live, which we broadcast a lot of shows live, and this week, thanks to some technical difficult stuff, we got our sound guy Chris Ens broadcasting live uh, uh, that's helpful. You know, we do shop talk live sometimes. If you go to shoptalkshow.com slash live, that's how you can listen in when we do that. Uh, and the chat room is now powered by CodePen. We built a, a chat room just for this. And now it makes me want to make it a pro feature of CodePen because it's super cool. But anyway, code pen is uh, you know, it's kind of a code editor in the browser. You build stuff. Some people think of it as their little front end dev portfolio their resume, there's a job board on CodePen that uh, maybe if you didn't know this, that you know how ShopTalk has a job board? They're the same job board. Don't tell me. CSS Tricks has a job board? They're the same job board. Not because it's a secret, but because it's like it's good to know that if you post a job for your company, because you probably work for one that's hiring because every company ever is hiring, Uh, that it goes to all of those places, and it gets a lot of exposure for your job. So uh, uh, go to shoptalkshow.com slash jobs, and it will show you all the available jobs, of which there are many remote ones, lots of good opportunities in there. I've gotten some really lovely emails from people who have placed themselves in jobs from the job board saying that they couldn't be happier now, which warms my little heart, and from companies who say that they got lots of qualified applicants from it, so the system works. shoptalkshow.com slash jobs. And, uh, you know, it's brought to you by CodePen uh, Cool, so let's, uh, let's kick off the show, Dave How do you feel about that?
1: And welcome to another episode of the Shop Talk Show, a podcast about friendship and learning to make friends over the internet. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Coyer.
0: That was a lovely intro, Dave. And with us is Alejandra Luasis Riera.
1: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Chris, that was actually pretty amazing.
0: Uh, It was
2: great. Thank you.
0: Alejandra, how are you? Thanks for being hey. on the show.
2: Thank you for inviting me Ba-ba!
0: that's the the, Ba-ba. the the horns We do the horns after you <laughs> say your name. I don't know if you're waiting for it or what
2: <laughs> those mouth sounds are like really amazing super impressive
1: <laughs> well it's it's you know it, uh, I think we were talking before the show if 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 things go bad, we just degenerate we we gracefully degrade into a mouth sound podcast <laughs> that's if things you know just start crumbling, it's just mouth sounds.
0: So. last week we invented mouth blogging so this is really as Chris says uh, 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 Chris N says two, mouth blogging 2.0 so I met Alejandra at a CodePen meetup. Speaking of CodePen, in Chicago, Illinois, not yeah. so long ago, it was kind of a legendary one because it was it was at Threadless. It was just like a really cool event. Lots of cool ideas were getting thrown around. I met lots of cool people. I met Jake there, who we ultimately hired. And I met Alejandra there, too. You remember that day?
2: Uh, I remember it. <laughs> Very clearly, I probably made a fool out of myself. Whenever I meet any of my internet uh, heroes, I just kind of a little bit. <laughs> it's a I was flushed a little bit when
0: I met Jake too. He's really, he's really good. Uh,
2: yeah, that was a, fu-
0: that, that was a fun day. And me and Alejandra became friends that day. And, and I've been just kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, as friends do watching each other evolve and do stuff and say stuff. And you're a very interesting person and had a big kind of thing happen to you soon. You kind of, uh, up and moved from Chicago where you were to Atlanta. What was that all about?
2: Uh well, I I was contacted one day, one fateful day by Mailchimp and uh Ooh, they, they asked me to move. You. They I know, I know. <laughs> when I saw the email in my inbox, I was kind of like, "Uh, really? <laughs> Are you sure, guys?" <laughs> um, but yeah, so they asked me to move and I did cuz that's what you do were you, when MailChimp were you kind asks you to move.
0: <laughs> were you a fan anyway?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, all kinds of really great, super talented people work here and, you know, love the product, have been using the product in different, you know, capacities.
0: Yeah, that's what kind of happened yeah. to me with uh, with with Wufoo with back in the day when I worked there. I was such a fan anyway that when the opportunity came to work there, I was like, sure, when can I move? Right now or what? Right. You know? And so I yeah, also totally. made the move from the north to the south uh, for for a cool job like that. So it's fairly new, right?
2: Or, uh, yep, yep. I've been working here. I think this is my fourth week. So yeah, I mean, yep.
0: And there's a big <laughs> office, and you literally go work right there at the at the Mailchimp headquarters.
2: Yeah, it's a huge office where you know we take up two floors. We're almost 500 people now, Whoa. and um, yeah, it's huge. Uh, I think half of that is probably support. But still, you know, a ton of other people there that I'm learning to. I bet there is with massive and...
0: amounts of support. I didn't th- even think yeah. of that. But you know, all all apps have some level of support. But I bet particularly in this in this world, I wonder if it's because like it all it like everybody uses Mailchimp. Like it's not this like app for nerds or or, or whatever or for a specific niche. It's like the verticals for Mailchimp is like anything.
2: Yeah, yeah, we have a lot of a lot of different people using it and then we have you know uh we have these apps right so people don't just use MailChimp people use um kind of our uh, my sort of favorite is uh MailChimp Snap which is kind of I don't know this wild little app that we have where you take a picture and you just type in some text and then just shoot it off so it's super simple and people are loving uh how restricted it is what is it MailChimp
0: Snap oh yeah yeah look at this So it's like you want to send an email to like people who have opted into your cool, I want to see pictures from you thing. Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, you just use lists, I think, like MailChimp proper. I'm still kind of learning. There's a lot to learn here. But uh, (laughs) um, but yeah, so right. It's just super quick, super simple. And a lot of people are giving us. Chris, we um, should do
1: this for Shop Talk. We could send
0: people pictures of our outfits.
2: Yeah, outfit of the day. It's good. I like
0: this. <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, you know, like like a lot of big apps, probably, it's kind of one of those things where, like, there's MailChimp, but there's also uh, Mandrill, right? And there's all these, like, mobile apps. And who knows what all internally you think of as different departments, right? I mean, maybe from mm-hmm. the outside, a lot of people think of, like, oh, yeah, it's that app where you sign into and send email. And in a sense, that's true. But internally, it's like that plus this plus that plus this.
2: Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of things going on. <laughs> question mark still learning yeah
0: yeah totally so but so, this is cool it's cool to get you at a moment where it's fresh like that you're not you don't have like the company line memorized yet i can
2: still <laughs> yeah no i don't which is you know like uh half awesome and half kind of dangerous for me so <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: so are you on the the kind of marketing side or the email side or or what where do you kind of find yourself
0: Siloed. didn't they kind of I as I recall that it was kind of like they wanted you to work and then they're like almost had to like invent a position for you is that how that went? yeah yeah
2: <laughs> yeah so kind of interesting a position was kind of well invented I guess there was a need for it yeah. but um but they kind of pushed me towards a different position that I had interviewed for uh, so right now I am the mobile products operations manager and uh, what that means is I basically Kind of oversee people 's schedules on the mobile team and make sure that they 're getting stuff done when they need to get it done, and uh, right talk on. to other departments to kind of facilitate the whole process of you know creating and maintaining mobile applications
0: so th- yeah. we know about snap, so no wonder you kind of know about that because maybe snap is under your umbrella a little bit at work mm-hmm. but also yeah. is there is there's probably some like normal Mailchimp app where I like can look at people who 've opened my Thing and I don't know. I don't know what features of the Mailchimp experience are available through their mobile app, but there probably is one, right?
2: Yeah, yep. There's Mailchimp, Mailchimp Snap. Um, I think we have well, we have a high five one that I think is still there. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what it's called. It's high five something, but it's this game that's super addictive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, and then we have Mailchimp Subscribe? Question mark. <laughs> no, it's
1: okay. Yeah, I mean, I
2: should, I should know more about this, but it's, stuff. it's kind of crazy. It's Super hectic. Mailchimp uh, subscribe. I'm going to the. Uh, currently, I'm going to the app store to <laughs> see sure. what we we'll have. We'll follow up
0: with that later. On but it, it, all, it happened pretty <laughs> fast, right? They, so they call you up. They they say come down and interview you go down an interview it goes pretty well you like the people involved you're able to i don't know get out of chicago situation pretty quick and went down there kind of a whirlwind situation so congratulations and
2: Glad yeah, thank you. I'm
0: Glad it's been going well. So, what's kind of neat is that there's human beings that are now kind of under your umbrella too, or at least their schedule is. Or you, it's it's basically kind of a management role. So, and you have some experience with that anyway. Is it? What is it? What is what is that like in a sense? Do you do you like that role of being like a a manager of people?
2: Hmm. Yes, I do. I really do. And I was kind of conflicted uh for part of my the part of my career where I kind of decided that I that this would be the trajectory of the rest of my career at least you know as I see it right Mm -hmm. uh my background is in product design so I've been doing design and front-end development and stuff and going to a management position it's kind of like well I don't want to lose you know the part of the work um you know going down in the trenches with people and actually executing stuff I don't want to lose that part right um But I found that working with people is something I really love and I really love, you know, at MailChimp especially, there's tons of really talented people. So I love being able to clear obstacles for them um, so that they can kind of do their best work and then we can all revel in the uh, successes, you know. So uh, supporting people is kind of, I think that's where I'm going and I think I'm okay with it now. I did take a personality test that told me that I don't (laughs) actually like executing work and that I like just helping people do it and not actually having to do it. Uh,
0: (laughs) I think I might... You know, I think we might be kindred spirits in that way. Not that I'm afraid of doing work or whatever, but sometimes I feel like my uh, personality test might reveal that in me too. For example, on like the holiday vacations and stuff, a a lot of like puzzles came up, you know, like literally jigsaw puzzles that we'd spread out over the table. And I found it less enjoyable, like actually putting pieces in than I did like, like operationally helping other people put pieces in, like sorting the colors, making sure people got up and saw the puzzle from different perspectives, making sure the light was bright enough in the room that they weren't, (laughs) you know, I was like, am I, is this right? What is happening here? Like, uh, I'm managing this puzzle, not actually doing it.
2: Right.
1: (laughs) Did you do a lot of like, you're hot Hotter, hotter hotter there it is that's the piece that's the piece put it in
0: <laughs> no but i think they needed positive encouragement when they did get a piece you know cuz it's internally satisfying but if it can be externally satisfying too you're that one next of the piece best is gonna come
1: you're one of the best puzzle assemblers i've ever met
0: <laughs>
1: it's a joy to work with you.
0: Uh, so that's that's pretty interesting. So so maybe you know your career morphing towards the towards the the people angle of this thing. That's pretty cool. I know mine is too. Because just it just happens to have been going that direction a little bit. But historically, how would you have ever known that was going to happen to you? I happen to know just a little bit about your past, but I think it's it's worth worth talking about a little bit like like starting with the school situation like weren't you like kind of not a fan of school in general
2: Oh yeah no I hated school I didn't I went to school for zookeeping so I was working in a zoo for 2 years instead of sitting in a classroom Um Do
0: so you pick zoo out of the like kind of dislike of Yes of traditional schooling
2: Yeah um so there's a couple of zookeeping schools that okay rewind yep um yes
1: yes <laughs> rewind please my I, I, I go to a lot of zoos i have a two-year-old son this is he's gonna think you're his hero okay keep going
2: yeah awesome um <laughs> so i've always liked animals ever since i was a kid um you know that's the thing a lot of kids like right but um but i thought maybe it'd be cool to actually work with them so um when i was in high school i parents told me that I should probably Google how to do college and figure it out (laughs) because I was in my senior year and uh, that was just, you know, the thing you were supposed to do Uh, coming from a Hispanic family, (laughs) like go to school, do the whole thing. Um, So, yeah, so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to do something super unconventional. It's going to piss them off. I'm going to go to zookeeping school. And um, I found three different schools and one of them was in Florida Um, the better one was in Florida and I applied and I got in it's, and then I learned that it's like one of the most prestigious zookeeping schools, whatever that means. Mm. And, um, and that's what I did for two years. Um, and that's, that's that now I'm not working in zookeeping. So obviously that's not (laughs) the way I went, but.
0: So is that I wonder if it's a a little bit like art school or whatever, where like more people go than ultimately become like lifelong artists or something? Maybe that's not a fair comparison, but certainly like like not everybody that graduates from zoology school goes to become a zookeeper.
2: Yeah, so uh, zookeeping in general is a really competitive kind of industry because a lot of people wanna Yeah, a lot of people who doesn't wanna like uh, like I don't know like do all kinds of stuff with animals you get to touch them you get to like play with them who doesn't want to do that that's like our childhood fantasy
0: yeah right right. I bet that is what it is like you you went to the zoo when you were a kid and you're so (laughs) mystified by it that that no wonder you right
2: how much is
1: like getting mauled by a tiger or wrestling tigers how much is that in your
0: training can you wrestle a tiger were there tigers at your zoo cool
2: okay there were not tigers because the a zoo keep well there is one in Park, California, a keeping school, and they have a Lions, which I think is absolutely insane because <laughs> if you're learning uh, how to lock locks and like being really diligent about that that's like the core of zookeeping is locking doors (laughs) 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 like if you're learning how to do that we always messed up we always forgot and and that's like the point of school right is you're gonna mess up a million times to mess up with a lion in the situation seems really disadvantageous for everybody involved um so uh so yeah so we had ocelots um I think it's Leopardus pardalis is the scientific name. We all
1: know the scientific name. Yeah,
2: (laughs) sure. Uh, so just a reminder. Um, so they come to about your knee, so they're not super impressive. Um, I did get in trouble for petting one through the fence. I couldn't help it.
1: Oh man. (laughs)
2: Um, but yeah, you know, I've worked with venomous snakes, so I've done some dangerous stuff. Um, story time yeah Um, we used to go go, um into the park there's a park um called Payne's Prairie in Gainesville and I don't know what it what kind of park it is but you're not supposed to go in after dark and we would go in like at 10 or 11 o'clock at night and walk the entire park like 10-15 miles overnight and we would like It's called, okay, it's called herping. (laughs) So herpetology is the study of um, reptiles. So we would go and study reptiles, kind of individual study. Um, Let's make it sound really academic. But we were just kind of goofing around out there and we, you know, there are like alligators out there. and We're just kind of like hanging out with alligators actually i think that's the only place in florida where you can encounter wild buffalo and we did and it was terrifying because it was like three o'clock in the morning and you have headlamps on and all you can see is their eye shines and you just see like 60 of them and then it's just like a huge group of like just these little white dots (laughs) and they're pretty high up so you can tell it's like a very large the only place <laughs> in you're looking where, at.
0: where the buffaloes are more scary than alligators at night?
2: Yeah, totally. Because you don't know what they're going to do and they're massive. And alligators are kind of lazy and, you know, blah. It, unless you go up and stand on one, it's probably not going to pursue you. I mean, really? Cause yeah, it's kind of like the least of your worries. I'm not <laughs> kidding you.
1: I had a dream last night where I stumbled across an alligator. Last and, night. Last night. And I stayed up for about two hours figuring out how I'd fight an alligator in real life. Because that's a skill I might need as a parent or something. Uh, I
2: mean, it probably but, is. Just run. <laughs> You're probably fine. I mean,
1: <laughs> I'm not going to run from an alligator. I got to, like, grab its jaws, right? That's, that's the, the way to that's do it, thing. right?
2: Yeah, and then you put your leg in there. You got to make sure to keep it open like um, like a car hood. You know, you have that stick that you oh, use. Oh, you
1: go all the way. you like, okay, I do that to my dog. You just, like, put your yeah. hand all the way in his mouth <laughs> and lock you its put jaw. put it all the way in
2: there. Okay. Yeah, that's how you do it.
0: Wow, oh, okay, this is Don't easy.
2: try this at home listeners so what is
0: <laughs> what is herping though just to be clear like is it just like hanging out with animals in the wild or is there a specific thing
2: yeah so a lot of okay a lot of my friends from zookeeping school actually went on to do legitimate animal uh things but uh, so they you know do it all the time you go out and you see if you can catch some snakes uh and kind of look at them and it, it's it's like hunting without guns you just go and you see if you can find like the rarest coolest thing uh, um, right on Look at it, you know, study it, do whatever you need to do, and then let it go and just try to mess with it as little as possible, you know?
0: Yeah. So it's like birding, but for any animal.
2: Yes. We did have some birders also um, as part of our group, but it's not as, not as cool at night, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, that's cool. So the, so zoology definitely like wins the gold prize for most unusual <laughs> background on Chop Talk Show Thanks. for sure. And, uh, <laughs> But So one of the things we were talking about, like, what should we we talk about on Chop Talk Show, is that maybe we could do a whole, like, thing on people with unusual backgrounds. And it turned out that, like, one of the founders of MailChimp has a super weird background, too. Isn't that the case?
2: Yeah, Dan, I think, was a sponsored skateboarder of some sort. I don't know. My knowledge of skateboarding is very poor (laughs) um but yeah and then we have this room at mailchimp called the boardroom which is a room that has all of his like old like his collection of skateboards kind of just hanging up on the wall it's just like the whole every wall is covered with them so it's pretty cool
0: it's almost not fair you know like you get that two cool lives i only have one cool life (laughs)
2: um yeah it's (laughs) it's really cool dan's a really cool guy he actually really inspired me here my first week um part of the onboarding as like you learn about other departments
0: onboarding get it Ah, yeah.
2: onboarding ah, yeah. Whoa. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: but yeah he's really cool he's I think what I think his I don't know what his title is everyone has titles and I don't know them but um, but he does I think it's like customer advocacy or some thing I don't oh, know like but Craig he's,
0: from Craigslist he's like the creator but he's also like I'm also just a customer support dude
2: yeah yeah he's he's really cool um, his, like, passion for people and people's happiness and stuff is really great. And uh, when he left the room, I was practically crying. <laughs> so another person that I can totally cry around <laughs> because I like them so much.
0: <laughs> That's let, let her fly. So, so mobile, um, you know operations manager is technically the mm. title, but it sounds like you ha- are having hopefully some influence and thoughts and stuff on hiring at MailChimp.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's something it's not part of the role, but um, it's something that I'm super passionate about and um, really just want to get super involved. Um, yeah, in I think that
0: I see, you know, for, from all the people that I know at MailChimp, it seems like everybody is is has some interest in and getting more people on the team.
2: Yeah, we're we're hiring pretty aggressively right now.
0: Okay, that's pretty cool. Because because growth and you need them and you got the money for it. Yeah. Not? yeah,
2: growth and we're trying to do a bunch of cool stuff and want a bunch of smart people to surround ourselves with. Sure. That's the goal.
0: So we just had a show recently with um, Ash Dryden and it was all about diversity and you know the a lot of the big things that ash talks about so we got <laughs> we got mostly good feedback on that and the 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 bad feedback we got and it seemed like basically Gamergate. it was like so wildly crazily negative that we're just like okay uh but anyway I br- i bring that up because that's you know as you're hiring that's probably something that you're thinking about or perhaps are even kind of passionate about yeah the Hiring more women, hiring from the from the wider pool of the world.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm going to use terminology that she used. Um, I just actually just listened to that last night. But um, marginalized folks, all marginalized folks. I'm just kind of going after, you know, people that, you know, not your typical white dude. And sorry, you know, if anyone's offended by that. But I think ugh. that we make, yeah, ugh gross (laughs) um (laughs) yeah uh just trying to get some diversity and we're already a really diverse organization and that was one of the first things that i noticed coming here to interview and um just you know keeping that momentum going and uh, because we make software for everybody Certainly so at MailChimp. I mean, really, everybody
0: that. makes software for everybody. <laughs> but I mean, we started the show right. talking about how the fact that MailChimp is in like, at least I, I, I said this, you didn't, but like, I think it's in like every vertical, you know, like, teachers can use it, healthcare people can use it, nerds can use it, like, like yeah. any kind of blogger under any subject you use skateboard, sponsored skateboarders can certainly use it. So it's it's one of these things like, this app is for sure for the world. So maybe the people that work here should be for representative of that world
2: representative exactly yeah representative of you know just like yeah the world we live in uh, which is a diverse and changing world and I think that's why Mailchimp really appreciates one of our things is we love weird people and you know weird not in a derogatory sense but weird in the sense that maybe you come from a weird you know background maybe you were a zookeeper in a past life but we you know really want to see your perspective and we think that you can make a difference in our application you know
0: yeah. <laughs> awesome let's play a let's play a um a word game. <laughs>
2: okay. Good, nice. It's a bo-
0: it's let's just the it. world's boringest nerd game. Uh uh agile. Dave, when I say agile development, what do you think?
1: Uh thinking two week sprints, uh Kanban board. Uh yeah, closing issues, Jira
2: doing it oh boy doing it that's pretty
0: close to what i think too i get stand up yeah stand up yeah
2: stand-ups that's a thing uh
0: that kind of comes from from that world a little bit doesn't it uh yeah Yeah. i think of like continuous continuous integration and continuous deployment uh Mm -hmm. and stuff and i also think that like it's a overused word or a word that like I can't imagine anybody not being that. It just seems like you just, if you say development, it's just automatically agile development. At least I would have until a, I don't know. I just had I had coffee with someone in my neighborhood. Uh, uh, A, uh, uh, She just had moved moved to town from from Chicago and is working at some new place and is actually still working in Chicago at the place. She's talking about how this company is, hasn't touched their website in so long and they're just getting around to the to the agile thing. Like the website hasn't changed in like ten years or something crazy, and now they have some new tech. Person involved, it's like we're going to get us onto an agile thing. So it's not overplayed. There's certainly pl- lots of places out there that that don't practice agile development still in w- whatever it means. So it's like I don't know. I thought I'd just set that up and then pass it to you, Alejandro. What do you do? is is Mailchimp an agile kind of place? And how do you think of that word?
2: Uh, whether or not Mailchimp is an agile kind of place, I don't know. I think that we, or as far as I've seen, I've been here for a month, so I, you know. <laughs> take that for what it's worth. But um, I think that um, we pivot pretty quickly and we adapt and, you know, we're flexible and we respond, you know, quickly. We don't, you don't have to work through a bunch of, you know, crap to get to kind of the heart of things or to get to the developer that did the thing or to have conversations with the researcher, you know, you can just kind of go and then make changes and influence the product right away. So we're agile in that sense, you know, that you can, everyone can contribute, kind of anytime. I mean, there are release cycles, but you're not really fighting, you know, like, okay, for example, working for the government, you know, to do anything, it would take months, mm-hmm. you know, possibly to get through anything. So that's, that's not, <laughs> I I wouldn't describe that as being agile, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a scrum master or anything. I don't, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not an agile expert. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a real um, thing too, a scrum master. I had a friend yeah, who like went even got know. certified as a scrum master. <laughs>
2: Like what even is that? I don't even know what that is. Um I think I don't know.
1: Yeah. Uh Gans I think you're good at rugby. Uh <laughs> yeah. Get, getting the rugby it. ball out of the rugby.
0: But it is it is kind of a, an actual methodology though, right? It's not just like if you have a company and you push every day, good for you, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're agile, I think.
2: Um I mean, I think uh <laughs> I have I have you know, I uh, a limited under, you know, I didn't go to school for this. Right. I, you know, my career is maybe five to seven years uh, in web right now or in, you know, technology in general. So, whatever, you know, <laughs> I don't know what agile is as much as probably the next person knows because everyone has their own definition of it. Um, I guess my flavor of agile or how I think of it is, um, and this is gonna, I'm gonna kind of use Mark in the chat here uh, who says, um, In a lot of companies, Agile is not thinking ahead. Is that what he said?
1: Yeah, equals equals not thinking ahead.
2: Yeah, not thinking ahead. I think that it's, you know, everyone is getting behind this overarching goal. So thinking ahead, right? But you just break stuff up into tiny pieces um, so that you can continuously deploy, you know, whatever, and then also continuously um, add value. So I come from a consulting background. So I think a lot of the way that I think about or talk about agile is in a very client facing sense. So just trying to make the client feel good, trying to deliver value to the client, you know, right. That flavor of that.
1: (laughs) I think there's a lot to be said for like, like the kind of sprint structure or whatever agile, it's just, just like, Hey, let's, what can we do in two weeks? Let's try to do it. And like, here's kind of a stretch, but, but I do think it sometimes gets, um, I don't know, just sort of, mm, sort sort of perverted is what the word I want to say, but just in that, that becomes your slave to this two week cycle. You know, it's, it's less about like, like what, what can we optimistically do in this two weeks? And it's more like Mm -hmm. get this done or else you're fired. Kind of, you know, it'll be on your performance evaluation, you know, and that's, I think ruins the spirit of the whole agile thing, you know,
2: for sure. Totally. I think Agile is just about being flexible uh, and then, you know, again, continuously providing value. And, you know, again, the stand-ups, whatever, like everyone is on the same page and I think that's great um, or should be on the same page. Um, Yeah, but I've seen and I've been a part of companies, you know, that have kind of used it as a, a punishment thing, you know, in a couple of weeks. If you don't, you know, do your stuff, then the client is sad you're responsible for it. (laughs) I don't think that that's, and I actually had this conversation yesterday about estimating, estimating being used as like negative reinforcement, which I don't think is great. You know, I think estimation is just, we're all just trying to um, have a feel for how this works, you know, especially for departments that aren't designers or developers and have no idea how the process works.
1: No, I'm estimating a project right now and it's just very difficult because it, you know, it's like, could you do this? And it's like, yes. How long will it take? Wow. Um, you, well. Because <laughs> you don't know. It's always that thing. You don't know when you open the lid. Is, is it like, <laughs> I don't know, are all the cables in this box like – In in very nice order or are they just – is it a rat king that you have to untangle? Sort of like opening Christmas lights. You just don't know how it's going to work. You don't know like if you plug it in how many Christmas lights are broken and which one is broken. And so uh, it's – I don't know. Maybe we should start talking about it in terms of like Christmas lights. like (laughs) how long will it take you to put up the Christmas lights? I don't – I mean it should only take two hours. But it's –
0: yeah. I'm reminded of the of a uh, Dave thing and I I can't remember if it if it manifested as a blog post or if it uh, a mouth blog? Ended up as a mouth blog. Yeah, it was the the cost of not shipping. And I think that maybe Agile was I think maybe originally because things are going too slow and that's a bummer and agile's a way to kind of speed up development, but also To keep developers happy because if you're shipping all the time, if if you see the fruits of your labor on the live website and there's users interacting with it and it's very clear that you're making a difference in the app that you work on, that that feels good. That feels like I'm important here. My work is is something that the, the world sees and uses and stuff and that like leads to happier, stronger, better employees. Whereas working in a world where you just have no idea when anything's going to go out and you're constantly fighting for, for any kind of progress at all, that that has a cost, not only in the app, but as a cost to the developer's happiness as well.
2: Yeah. And I want to add to that we live in an evolving world and things are changing, especially in our industry. And, you know, the agile process too, is just about being able to pivot and being able to do that gracefully. So, you know, if something changes, then, you know, you can respond and not, you know, you're not throwing something over the fence. And then three weeks later, you find out that that's, you know, not feasible or not a thing that people want anymore. That's that sucks. (laughs) For everyone it does,
0: right. You're, 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 yeah. you're quicker at uh, kind of making decisions and m- moving away from incorrect ones, which is a kind of another topic, which is iteration, which is just something that you kind of briefly mentioned as a possible topic. And I, I think of that as like my favorite word ever. It's kind of like, you know, you're agile, but you know, I, which I would say that like for our work at CodePen is that way. Like <laughs> we needed a chat room. So we blasted out a chat room. Do you think this is going to be the, fu- the last time we ever touched this chat room until until you know it's decided that we're going to do more work on it. No, we're going to iterate on it. We're going to fix little bugs here and there. We're going to have a little idea and we're going to implement that idea. So is that what you think of as iteration too?
2: Yeah, for sure. And um, I know that's something that's really kind of difficult for some people, um, especially coming from like design, right? Designers, uh, A lot of them just want to, like, perfect the thing and then show the thing, which is great, and that's cool. But if other departments are waiting to, you know, get an idea of functionality or, you know, how this is going to look, like, for marketing or whoever, right? Like, you need to just MVP. Oh, I hate using that. That's, like, another one of these buzzwords, right? But do, like, the lowest fidelity thing that you can and then just build value. I'm all about building value because things change so quickly.
0: That's, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if uh, that do, you brought up design and the concept of iteration. Is it more foreign or harder or less popular or something in the world of design to think of and embrace iteration than it is for developers?
2: I think so because, uh, you know, the way that people understand design is you have to like contextualize it. So a lot of times, you know, like these high fidelity mock-ups, mock-ups they look really great. And, um, you know everything is where it should be and like you have your menu you can understand you know how the menu plays with all the other components and how like the footer looks and you know the sidebar whatever right and you know doing lower fidelity things sometimes things aren't as clear and especially in client work it's really hard for clients to understand um you know, like if you draw on a piece of paper, they're going to be like, what is this? This isn't like, is this what my website's going to look like? This is stupid. You know, like I can't understand this. And a lot of times for clients, you have to do mock-ups. But um, at least in client work, I learned, you know, how to be like, no, I'm not going to do mock-ups for the whole thing. I'll give you one or two and then do the rest sketches. So you understand like the flow of the thing. Right. Um, But yeah.
0: I wonder if I I certainly probably am guilty of it too. Like once I've designed something, it's a little harder to throw it away. It's a little bit, it's like harder to kill the darling or whatever, as, as yes. they say. And it's like, because it is the product. When you're the designer, the, the thing is like the final thing. It's what people use. So like, it's it's harder right. for you to just be like, oh, we're going to throw that away and do something different. Or maybe in the code world, you can do something completely differently, but the end result is, is kind of the same. So it's like, doesn't right. feel as like bad about killing it.
2: Well, but then marry the two, right? Like, designing in the browser is a thing that can work. And sometimes it requires pairing if your designer doesn't code. And um, and that's okay, right? But you can see it evolve. And I think that people, anyone who kind of finds it hard to show something that's not absolutely perfect, I think, you know, they can learn to love iterating. And they can learn to love the evolution of a thing.
0: Uh. And so now you find yourself in the world of of what's clearly product design. Mailchimp is a product company and, mm-hmm. and but it hasn't always been that way for you. You've done the agency thing, right? So do you find them wildly different or
2: I don't think so. I think that you know both types of environments face the same challenges. There's people here that love you know doing the mock-ups, and we do mock-ups for everything, and then you know functionality changes, then you have to throw it away and then start over again. So it's just about, like, bringing stuff more, like, to the middle. And I think that, you know, the consulting background is not, like, a total waste, right? Because I come from this, like, you know, get it out quickly, iterate on it, um, present it to the client looking totally awful, you know, and just explain it to them. I come from that kind of background. And um, we have some really super talented designers here who do, like, beautiful work, but sometimes things change you know things change and that's just how it goes so just everyone kind of going towards the middle because i think i can be a little aggressive too with that just write it down on paper (laughs) god you know (laughs) so certainly you're like you did like an anger drawing (laughs) yesterday (laughs) this is what a rage click looks
0: like it's
2: (laughs) It's just like draw it just draw it (laughs)
0: yeah uh uh, certainly your old product or your old job title then didn't hurt you in any way. I just had a little mini conversation kind of popped up just yesterday on Twitter about the like, like there's a title, product designer and product design. And certainly there's people out there that think and operate and act in such a way that it's wildly different than any other type of design. And that maybe the titles should, should, should indicate that. And, you know, the difference being that maybe like, maybe like a web designer creates Landing pages, and a product designer creates apps. And it was a conversation I had with 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 Rachel Neighbors, who was just trying to figure out figure it out as I was. But somebody somebody told her that web designers create landing pages, product designers create web apps. And it was like, whoa, <laughs> okay.
1: I've I've heard this too, uh, and I'm to, not to point any fingers, but it's San Francisco, okay. Uh <laughs> but but I, I've heard it a lot in, in on various podcasts I listen to. And it, it, it's an interesting thing. It's it's like this chasm. It's you know, there's even like like, oh you're just a UI designer, not a product designer. And I'm just like, what do these words mean? Did we just make these up? So I, I'm I'm I'd be curious to hear your point of view, Alejandra. Yeah, I
2: don't titles. Yeah. Whatever. I was also design director at my last job. Like what does that mean? <laughs> Is am I that? Like ugh, whatever. I just I just take the title and then just you know, do whatever I want, essentially.
0: <laughs> there's a lot of people in our, bu- um, our bucket like that, that just don't, you, they don't care what you have. It doesn't seem to yeah. affect who you hire. It doesn't affect who hires you. It's this thing that's like, seems to be not mattering at all. So could we speculate on why it matters to some people? Is it like a, a pride thing? Does it help certain people move to certain different jobs? Like, why is this such an impassioned argument when there's so many people on our side where it's just like, oh, it doesn't seem to matter at all?
2: Well, I think what it boils down to is, you know, the psychology of human beings. We all want to define things in our environment so that we can better understand them. So, and then from there, you know, springs forth, you know, the using this title to define yourself, you know, as a person who has more value than maybe another person or a person that can provide more value to an organization or company or whatever.
1: Almost like you have to create the distinction so that you can, I don't know, so it becomes more valuable or... Or I don't know, like you're doing exactly what you want because you've created this distinction. Is that my aunt? I'm I'm talking. I like very thinking of it as abstract. that huge
0: like I like Alejandra's idea that it's like a deep seated human desire to do it, and maybe there's a scientific angle too. You know, like zoologists, you know, they have very specific names for things. You know, you can't just go around calling it the oh, call it the. The big old hose for a nose. You know, like, yeah. you no, know, we call those <laughs> elephants, you know, or the elephanta. Is
2: that the scientific? <laughs> I
0: think uh, Latin. Big Chris, we all know the nuts. Latin name. <laughs> Come on. But we had to do that so that that everybody understands. You have scientific names that transcend languages, right? I think that's how they work. Right. So that everybody can mm-hmm. call this, uh, you know, a thing a thing or whatever. Like, everybody agrees on this one particular name, maybe that's useful so that titles kind of transcend companies. So they might not, you know, the title is like, eh, whatever at this company, but it means something specific so that if you move to a different company, it means the same thing there.
1: Well, and right. I'm also reminded, we did not have the term front-end developer, I think even when we started this podcast four years ago. It, like, it was a very nebulous term. is mean, almost... Dan Denny creating front-end development comp.
0: I know. Uh, I think he did. Like, yeah, let's
1: credit Dan Denny for it. Let's give Dan Denny credit. Um, uh, I think, you know, it It almost wasn't a thing, a tangible thing, until, like, enough people identified with it. So maybe that's what's going on now. Because it's very clearly a thing to me now, but, but yeah, I don't know.
2: Right. Again, I think it's just, we're just trying to label things so we can better understand them, just because, you know, this has turned into this whole thing, web development and app development and everything has turned into this whole, you know, research wasn't even in the thing until recently, you know, UX, like where did that come from? Uh, So it's like, yeah, we're just trying to understand our environment and then use that to our advantage. For me, the title design director, I was just like, okay, this is stupid, but I'll take it and I'll put it on my resume and then I'll probably get a better job because of it. Like, so for me, a woman who's Hispanic, it's great to have, (laughs) I will take whatever title you throw at me, like the more important sounding, the better only so I can put it on a piece of paper and someone else can say like, Oh, design director, this person, you know, whatever they can do it. Um, whereas maybe if I had something else, just designer on there, they probably wouldn't understand maybe that I manage people and that I can see things kind of higher level. The other things that design directors like that title implies, um, but I mostly think that titles are useless, and a demonstration of knowledge of the industry is probably more valuable.
0: There, let's uh, let's do a few questions. You up for it? A little combo question answering action. Meat and potatoes here. Uh, yeah, I'll say, normally we'd have a sponsor break, so I'll just remind you that you should look at the, ch- the pro features of CodePen, which are robust and amazing. For example, you know, you're in this real-time chat room. Every collab mode session and professor mode session on CodePen has a chat room kind of built into it. It's like, you know, so professor mode is any pen that you own. You can just open it up in professor mode and then send that link to whoever just like there's like a hundred people that can fit into that room and they watch character by character as you're typing and building stuff you move the UI a little bit it moves for them you open the settings panel it opens for them you pick a different preprocessor they watch you pick that different preprocessor you're showing them exactly how you code that's what professor mode is on CodePen, and it works great for in classroom people are teaching something but of course since it's on the web it works all around the world so you can literally use it to, to teach you know line by line It's better than video because it's, like, the real thing. They're selecting the text. They're watching it happen in the browser. They're not watching a video of it. They're watching the real thing, which is cool. And collab mode is that same kind of concept, except it's also... um, Uh, uh, They can type too, you know. It's like a Google chat or a Google document kind of thing, you know. You got multiple cursors, everybody can work at once. And then there's a chat room that you can open and close in there so you're talking to each other as well. Those are just two of the many uh, features that you get on CodePen. You can upload um, assets, drag and drop, like you need a special CSS file, you need an image or whatever, drag and drop that sucker on there and get a URL to it and use it. Uh, that's a third one. It's pretty. It's a pretty robust set of pro features. I think I would guess in the next couple of months or so that uh, the prices might uh, they might change just a little bit on CodePen because they've been the same since the very day that we ever launched CodePen, and we're uh, offering a heck of a lot more than we were then. So if you want to be kind of grandfathered into these old <coughs> prices, uh, you should probably uh, jump on that. So uh, enjoy.
1: All right. First question comes from Gwen Jones and pronunciation on her name like Gwyneth, but without the F. And for that, Gwen, I'm going to give you 10 Shop Talk points, uh, which you can use anywhere because I really appreciate uh, that level of humor. Um, hi, I'm a friend end developer with a young family, full time job, etc. So time is pretty limited for me learning uh, new things. I do manage to spend around an hour each day, but I'm not getting the most value for my efforts. I recently uh, started studying towards a Microsoft certification, but I just wanted to see if you had any tips, especially around how many new things you can reasonably expect in, say, a year. Gwen Jones, signing off.
0: How many reasonable things you could learn it's kind of weird to, to think of it in that way, right? So Gwyneth has a new family. Is trying to stay up to date and, like, learn new stuff to become a better developer and uh, is finding a hard time doing that and, uh, I mean, and just wants to, like, quantify a year's worth of learning in a sense. How do you, I don't know, stay up? What, do you, like, make time to learn new things, Alejandra? Don't you think of it in that way?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, learning is the most important thing. How do you get better <laughs> otherwise, you know? um, Man. It's a tough question, especially with kids. I don't have kids, so Mm -hmm. I can learn for, you know, essentially six hours a night (laughs) after I get home, you know. Um, I mean, learning, right? Learning, the community is really valuable in learning, and that's how I learned. And I think it's more effective because you're around someone who probably has, like, a real project going, and you can kind of see, like, the development environment and all the things that sometimes aren't explained in a course on the internet, Mm -hmm.
0: uh i you know i i I watch dave regularly jump into to new worlds i mean the big obvious one was the windows thing but dave is all the time doing crazy projects and digging into libraries and playing with vr and playing with games and playing with some new library and i find dave pretty inspiring as far as his jumping into new things
1: yeah I, i would it's hard uh especially with the young family uh i have a two year old and a four month old and um you don't sleep so you're kinda operating on zero at that point. Um it's it's hard, but I think I think it's it's two things. Um just um you know I I'm gonna throw out something I'm not endorsing but like Treehouse and Code School, those are kind of really good companies for for just I found, like, the ease of use and, and ease of, like, coming back to be really good. I, I, it's just kind of like a, okay, I can pick up where I left off. Um, but I, I think it's going to take, you know, maybe some negotiating with, with your partner. Like, say, you know, hey, I maybe you want one night a week where I kind of learn things. And is that okay? Can we kind of agree on that? Uh, that might be helpful. Um And then uh, the other thing, just maybe if if your work can maybe assist you, like you just say, hey, I like learning new things. I think there's kind of more cutting edge technologies we're kind of not using. And I'd love if I could, you know, spend half a day or some, you know, something kind of like continuing education style Uh, that might be really something beneficial or find a job that kind of lets you um, learn new things or try new things. Um, and again, job mobility is probably tough, especially if you have a young family. So, um, anyway, I, hopefully that helps. I, I think it's all about just uh, also kind of learning about yourself, like what you're good at or what you, what makes a logical jump. Um, cause I'm always like, how can I hello world as quickly as possible? So I get a taste of it and then see what, like, see if I want to go deeper. Um, so that's that's helpful. One another thing I can recommend is West Boss's React course. If you're interested in React and you've heard like, "Oh, React is the next cool big thing," um, I did it, and in like one day, I like had a React Firebase app thing going in like one day, and it, that's pretty cool. So, um, kind of like satiates your knowledge. Um, Knowledge bone, yes, the knowledge bone in your <laughs> your head bone that wants to learn things. So
0: there's a little bit of just build websites in here, certainly. I would think that like just just slugging through, even though you're not enjoying it, learning new things is like, ugh, why bother? I would, you know, have a project is a little bit more of an interesting way to do it. Which is just, you'll learn new things. You just will. You just will learn new things if you have some project mm-hmm. that you're trying to work. On. Let's do another one. Get some opinions here. Uh, Steve Wallace writes in, I'm a front-end dev and project manager in Melbourne, Australia. I'm still undecided about the use of web fonts in body copy. Uh, to date, I'm still using web safe, super read- readable fonts like Arial, Verdana, Tahoma, etc. As with everything web, this is improving all the time, but I want to know your thoughts. So Steve is particularly, he, uh, maybe he's using web fonts for titles, but not the body copy any thoughts on that
2: use what's readable (laughs) i'm a weird designer in that i just yeah like if that's i mean why are you writing you're not writing for it to look attractive you're writing so people read it i mean if you're using like these Arial, whatever i don't i don't look down on anything as long as it's readable (laughs) you're good
0: lovely
1: that's wow nail in the coffin that was good
0: Mailchimp rocks the Helvetica new a lot. I notice a lot, which probably doesn't hurt. I do. I do feel like if you can own a uh, a, a look and a really nice typography and use all no web fonts, you do. You are kind of at a nice advantage because the load loads fast as heck. You know, like it's still the speed is still kind of lovely. But sometimes it's hard to pull off. I'm not particularly good at, uh, well, most things really, but. I feel like it's rough when you know you see some other app that's kind of owning Helvetica and you're like, I could I could replicate that, but it's like God, they they're really rocking that. So like it feels like almost you're stepping on their toes, even though how can you possibly be? But I don't know. I'm like always reaching for a weird font.
2: I think a lot of the beauty of type comes from poise and space. So I think as long as your line heights are looking good, um, you can rock it. You can rock almost anything.
0: I think that's sound advice. Poise is a wonderful word that I want to start using more.
2: You should. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, uh, let's see. We got, uh, let's do this one from Colin Fitzmaurice writes in, what apps, if any, do you use to manage tasks that you need to complete your projects and why? So what tasks, are, uh, Alejandra, do you kind of rely, or, or what apps do you rely on to get work done
2: this is gonna sound so lame because i'm on a mobile team but paper (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. like pen and paper
2: pen and paper and i actually just bought a pack of jelly roll Uh, pens for my planner. Um, Yeah, I keep it really uh, very technological and very modern. Welcome to the
1: 1933 (laughs) Show. (laughs) Well,
2: I'm not on a typewriter, so that's good. Uh, I am using fancy, cool, glittery pens. But um, yeah, I use a lot of Google Calendar, especially since I have to manage the schedule of many people, um, including people not in my department. I have to kind of coordinate with them and so I use Google Calendar that is supplemented by, yes, good old pen and paper. I have one notebook that is just kind of like my scribble book. So I just, whatever thoughts are in my head, I just dump it into this book. And then I have a planner, which is where my final stuff goes. And I really like the planner because I can sit down in the morning with my coffee. I can read through the planner. You can do the same thing with your Google Calendar. But it just helps me kind of organize my thoughts and write notes in the margins. Um, so, yep, yeah, super old school.
0: Uh I can go. I use a lot of email just because that ends up kind of being my like immediate to-do list or like generally like the three to four days chunk is a lot of email stuff. I keep a Trello board, only a group Trello board. I've, I've recently, one of our, uh, Rachel, one of our new employees at, at, uh, CodePen. code pen. We have the code pen Trello board, which we use as like specifically not issues. We use it for like ideas, ideation. So Trello is something that we use but she uses her own Trello, personal Trello board for like figuring out what she's gotta do and stuff, which I think that's and clever but we also use github issues and we have both a private tracker and a public tracker at codepen which is cool so we're constantly that we use that as kind of the to-do list and you know like what needs to get done well basically everything in both of those issues Uh, i'm not afraid of paper as well not so much as like a productivity thing but just like i scribble stuff down if i'm on the phone for sure i'm on paper i like that uh, you might want to look into, I just got one of these in the mail. I haven't started using it, but it's a wipe board. It's a notebook, a nice high quality notebook, but all the pages in it are like, uh, uh, you know, like a, like a marker board. So you can write in it and then just wipe it away. So, I don't know, theoretically, if you, if you used it a ton, it would be a little bit more economically or, you know, you're not wasting paper is the point. Uh, we use slack for communication, but it also ends up kind of being like a thing that you reference for things to do. Uh, so in my version of a personal Trello board, it's like I have the name of a project, .md. Like I keep a markdown file that's just like my thoughts, my like world that needs to be addressed. And so I have a bunch of projects <clears throat> and then I, I drag them into the dock in OSX right by the trash can where you can put files, not apps. So at any point I can click the name of that project and open up the little markdown file that's like my little personal to-do-ish thing. Uh and I definitely use Calendar as well. I like Fantastical on Mac. Apps.
1: I uh I use a lot of post-it notes. Lots of post-it notes. Uh uh Daniel Burke introduced me to this uh kind of like a oh no, you write like one big thing on a post-it note and then you write three medium things and then some small things. Uh that's been kind of uh kind of my thing is like like what or I'm more like what three things do I have to do today? Can I break my day down into three things plus other things um and and then I try to tackle that. Um, it's so funny that we're all kind of we all have kind of analog or near analog systems but um I yeah, I don't uh, for me there's nothing more gratifying than like scrunching up a post-it note and throwing it in the trash. That means it's done. And then I've started even like in my brain trying to make like what's what's a task if I just do it's gone forever like pay pay quarterly taxes or something and then it's done forever and I don't have to like or at least for four months then I like to do those tasks first or I like mark them like I don't know I put a little line by it to say hey if this is done it's done forever and that helps my brain so I like that github issues I have a github issues for myself um so (laughs) That's for ideas so they don't die. So, yeah, that's my, my setup.
0: Very cool. We should probably wind it down. Yeah.
1: With that. We need we need like a sad violin whenever we, we <laughs> wrap up a show. But, uh, Alejandro, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. Uh, if people aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that? And what's one thing you'd like to plug before you leave?
2: Oh my gosh. Well, don't give me money, please. It's so awkward. Um, But for me, (laughs) because of the person I am, but um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's a really long handle, but just type in something and you'll probably find me. Um, Or you can just kind of shoot me an email, Alejandro at MailChimp. Pretty easy um yeah thanks pam or you can give me money that's (laughs) fine too i guess (laughs) um and one thing that i'd love to plug is we're always looking for great designers and engineers especially on the mobile team so um if you just want to holler um we'd love to hear from you
1: great well thank you so much for for coming on thank you mailchimp for for uh, letting us talk to you and, uh, we really appreciate it. That was a great conversation. So yeah,
2: thank you for having me.
1: All right. Well, then thank you, listener, for tuning in and your podcatcher of choice. If you could do us a favor, vote us up, star, heart, favorite, five stars. It's just that easy. Uh, that's how people find out about the show. We really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, thank you so much and follow us on Twitter at shop talk show for tens of tweets a month and, uh, <laughs> If you hate your job, get a new job over at shoptalkshow.com slash jobs. And Chris, do you have
2: anything else you'd like to talk about? Shoptalkshow.com. I don't have this.